So hey everybody, welcome to episode 302 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. Up way up north, we have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? All righty. I was watching a, a video on uh, Bruce uh, uh, Bruce Lee just before this started, and apparently he went up to Seattle for a while, and uh, there's a picture of him with like uh, s- sitting next to a car with lots of snow on it, Jaime. Does it snow there often? or Not often. It, it can yeah. snow generally not a lot by uh, wow. Midwest and East Coast uh, standards. All right. Okay. Well, we have some Ask MDGC. Actually, it's a fact check, I believe, right? Ask MDJC. It, it could qualify. I mean, it, it's tagged on Twitter as hashtag Ask MDJC, but it is right. more it of a fact, fact check, check on the fact check. On the fact check. Okay. Was it fact check I was talking about last week when I talked about what he's calling Spotlight and I'm calling Sherlock? I think it, I think it was. But I don't know. We, we'll end up fact checking that too, I'm sure. So so this is Greg Heo, uh, you know, of, of fame and fortune and former host of the show and friend of the show and all that stuff. Fortran, Fortran guru, you know. I think he's working on the uh, Fortran by tutorials for Ray Winner like uh, as we speak, so... Mm-hmm. Alrighty, moving on. Um, so follow-up, yeah, I guess I'm going up first, right? Uh, this is an interesting article. I read this. It was on iMore, which is the former magazine that um, Rennie Ritchie, I think he was the uh, managing editor for, for a while and stuff like that. Anyway, um, which we know is branched out on his own. Anyway, the, the author of this, who is um, Brian Wolf, uh, claims that he tried, really tried, to use a, uh, a new MacBook, uh, sorry, a new iPad Pro with the new shiny uh, Magic Keyboard as his uh, main thing and uh yeah he he just couldn't do it um he was working on the 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 assumption that apple has or based on the marketing that apple's put out that you know your next computer won't be a um, your next mac won't be a mac it'll be a an ipad with a keyboard so yeah he basically said and i think it, something we've talked about before is that that uh, the reason why it failed for him i suppose in terms of what his role is and i don't know what that is other than magazine author or blog author um is that the shortcomings in software was what sort of blocked him from making it a completely uh, foolproof device, right, for him. Yeah, so he tried for 30 days, and yeah, as he says here on the tin, he failed. says his biggest issue was with editing and importing screenshots and images into their CMS. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. The difficulties mostly have to do with how iPad OS store photos by default. To create an effective workflow, I had to move images into the Files app from the Photos app, then give the files a new name to match our requirements. Only then oh, could okay. I drag the images into the CMS. Yeah, but that that's, I mean, you can't blame the, the the Apple for that because, I mean, yeah, admittedly Apple, or so when you store an image in photos, I mean, I'm surprised because I edit stuff on my phone and my iPad all the time, especially photos, right? Cropping them and posting them or whatever, but uh, I just I just live with the name, but I suppose if they have a, an internal requirement that could be a problem for him, right? Yeah, it sounds like it's a naming issue, so you can't change the name of something in the Photos app, so he had to move it into the Files app just to change the name and then move it in, yeah. I can see that being a problem. I mean, I find sometimes with photos on the Mac that sometimes I have to drag an image to the desktop to be able to then get it into another app. It's getting much better in terms of being able to drag and drop into applications like you can drag and drop into Photoshop and stuff like that. But it's not like if I wanted to drag into a, some some apps, like if I wanted to drag into Slack, sometimes uh, I can copy and paste, but sometimes I can't. I'm not saying Slack specifically, but so I have to drag like a, like an animal to the desktop and wait for it to render an image and then, then drag that image in, right? So I can see that being a problem. But I can tell you what I do. I have a couple of um, uh, work 
workflows that I use on my Mac, and I can see this being a problem because this is one thing I think that's a shortcoming on, on iPad, and maybe this is an idea, is that uh, I wrote a, an Apple script or an automation uh, script to rename images. Like I, get, I got this one customer who sends me an image every week, or sorry, an MP3 file every week that I have to post on a, on a service of that I post, but they always, the, the guy who does the post-production always puts spaces in the names of the files, right? Yeah. And so like an animal I've been going through for the last three years and, and editing them. And I thought, well, thought to myself, well, let's just write an automator task. Like drag, just drag and drop the, the file onto the automator task in my doc. And then it, it automatically changes spaces to underscores, right? Then I can post it to uh, to the web without with impunity, right? Because some websites and whatever, if I'm, if I'm linking it as an embedded asset, it, they won't play if it's got like the percent 20 uh, replacing the spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so so my point though is that that would be something that would be would block me in that instance. Um, so I wonder if there's going to be like an automator kind of thing. I guess shortcuts is kind of what is that what's called? Shortcuts, the app that uh, we speak all workflow. Because I think you could mm-hmm. use that. To Siri shortcuts. Things, wouldn't yeah. yeah, wouldn't you think you could name? You can make a shortcut that would drag a photo over onto the shortcut. It would you know pop up, ask you what you wanted to call it, and then upload it to your CMS. I mean, you could do something like that. What do you think? I mean, you've played with shortcuts. Not too much. Um, it seems like it would be possible with that. Um, it, it would be nice if some of the shortcut stuff would let you do more sort of powerful things. And, it, and to be honest, I haven't used it in a while in, in terms of creating anything new. So maybe it has gotten better, but um, I never got the sense that it was quite as powerful as Automator, mm-hmm. even at like a superficial level. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that you would need a whole lot to get around what this guy particularly needed. Um, so so maybe it'll come in a couple of weeks, right? WWDC coming up. Yeah. So my uh, my gateway drug uh, was was Apple Script for to become a coder, right? And because uh, you know because I worked in publishing, we have a lot of repetitive tasks, right? And uh, you know, Hi- um, HyperCard was an introduction to, to programming. FileMaker Pro certainly was as well. But you know, I used FileMaker Pro to build things. But I think uh, um, when it came to like repetitive processes, like you know, I used to work in in, pre- in printing and pre- preparing stuff for press, and we would have to lay things out. And we used to use auto, um, Apple Scripts to basically write the the files for us, right? And you know, rename things and put marks on printer marks on things and stuff like that, right? And um, so when Automator came along, I just adopted the whole Automator thing. It's, it's sort of drag and drop kind of programming in a sense, right? Because you just you grab a widget and at, you know put some criteria around it, and then away you go. So I mean, this automator task that I wrote like a couple of I guess six months ago um, took me probably like 15, 20 minutes to write. So you know, like little little widgety programming things, right? So remember dashboard? Now that was it called dashboard? What was that thing we I had? I do that, remember that. Yeah, early, dashboard early, widgets uh, and stuff. Development, right? Wasn't that widgets. part of? Oh, there was this other thing that they were that they were touting as the future of computing, like web web objects or something like that yeah it yeah was part of that yeah. wasn't it something like that i think so yeah because yeah. I, I thought i thought if you swipe to your right on your computer you used to get this weird um environment there was remember when they when the, the whole screen would shift over from the left and it would push from the left and you would have these calculator and watches and stuff like that mm, over there yeah thankfully that's i thought gone, that was right? late that was later well maybe it wasn't yeah or, yeah, yeah. yeah it was around the same time and then and then because yeah. i remember when in 20 what, it's not 27 2007 when the iphone first came out they when they when we all wanted to start programming for phone, they said, "Well, we'll let you make these little widget apps, right?" Right. I made a few of them, but I even read a book and reviewed a book on doing it in JavaScript or something. No, it was it was Apple Appleish something or other, but it was mm-hmm. it was sort of a it had its own sort of lingo. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm saying not to say that lingo was the language, but it had a sort of a. I'll have to dig up that book. I don't know if I've thrown it out yet, but <laughs> I think it's in the pile of books at the back of the house that are going to 
to either recycle or to reuse place, right? So, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it was Dash Code or something like that was called, right? Oh, Dash Code. Greg? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Greg, you want to check yeah. that for us? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Move it on. All right. What do we got next? What is next? I can't see. Oh, here we go. Apple Card. Apple Card. Yeah, so this is really good for the people who live in the United States of America. It's part of the, you know, well, I'm not going to say it. But, uh, yeah. Hey, we need something good for people who live in the U.S. lately. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, but the rest of us in the rest of the world are, you know, I'm already already miffed over the extra 3% you get discounted on Apple stuff just for being Americans um, with, with, you know, aluminum cards. But, yeah, here's here's another great thing about living in America, and that is you can now buy products from Apple and get, like, a 12 month interest-free payment plan. So, you know, for those of us who have to go and, you know, put together $1,300 to buy a new iPad Pro, you guys can just do that on your Apple cards, right? Um, yeah, so that that is coming apparently. Is it, is it out yet or are they just talking about it? Company will offer... So you need to buy that, you know, um, uh, Pro XDR display, you know, off you go, right? You can do your, your 12-month payment plan thing. So I think that the monthly payment on a on a, 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 a was a Pro Display XDR will be like more than a single iPad, right? Probably, yeah. Monthly yeah. Anyway, so yeah, congratulations, Americans. Once again, what do you think? It's great. <laughs> uh, in a less uh, terse sort of thing, I think it makes sense <laughs> given that Apple wants people to buy, you know, more devices and not be sort of held back by not having money. And obviously they want services to lead into that, right? So it sort of makes sense to take, yeah. you know, the risk of, hey, what if this person doesn't pay it back? And they're hoping to offset that with Apple TV Plus and Apple Music and et cetera subscriptions. Yeah. Yeah, and with Apple's cash position, they can certainly afford to give people some credit for a year or so. You know, they're not they're not hurting for the cash. They're not having cash flow issues. So uh, if it if it helps them make a sale that they wouldn't have made, even if they have to defer the revenue for a few months, then hey, sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, and it says here that they they did start a similar payment plan for iPhones last year, offering twenty four months no interest. Are you guys familiar with that? Did we talk about that? They've had that for a few years. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's no interest. Oh, you're talking about specifically on the Apple Card, right? Uh, uh, it says here payments will be managed through Apple Card section of the wallet app. Yeah, I think yeah, customers yeah. monthly bill, our, our cart, Apple Card bill. So they've they've had that payment plan for a few years now, but I think yes, that it's now through Apple Card as well, and that was about a year or so ago. Right? Is that how long the true. Apple Card's been out? Have you guys had a full calendar year with it now? Or seems like it's been about that long. Yeah, hmm. I thought it was. I thought it was August. Is it not August when it came out? Was it announced at WWE? Was it two years ago? How, how long has it been? Well, Might have been two years ago. <laughs> I've lost track. of time. As, yeah, as remember the last six months have been kind of a blur. <laughs> well, you know, I've got this artwork piece called MTJC Card because at the time I made a, a mock card for the MTJC folks and uh, that was a show, show art. I'll, I'll look that up when we talk about the next next story. I actually happen to have my bank software open. I can see when I first started putting charges on it. Let me see. Yeah, it says here on 9to5Mac that as of August anyone could apply and I do remember there being an early bird sort of wait list for yes, people who could join yes. in July. So we're coming up on a single calendar year. Yeah, my starting balance was on August 23rd, 2019. Yeah, and the artwork I was talking about um, that I made was August, yes, August uh, 31st episode. So around that time, a nice Apple card with the Timothy Mitra Apple, or sorry, MTJC card. And it'll activate your wallet thingy, which I guess nobody looked at. All right, cool. Glad to see. Alrighty, so Jaime, what's IBM up to this week? Yeah, they're sort of continuing their trend of sort of uh, slowly realizing some of the issues issues with bias when it comes to face recognition 
Oh, right. Um, Long-time listeners may remember that they started removing stuff out of their Watson visual recognition system. Um, They did that twice. They eventually sort of gutted its complete ability to do so. Um, I do remember them having a pretty good research paper or something that they came out with showing about how they uh, were looking to address bias in Mm -hmm. uh, machine learning type data related to face recognition. And they've just gone ahead and and finally peeled off the last part of the Band-Aid. And they've come out and said they're no longer going to offer developer research facial recognition technology that would be used for uh, mass surveillance, racial profiling, violations of basic human rights and freedoms, or any purpose which is not consistent with their values, etc. Now, we did talk about this before, because I remember, I think six months or so ago, I went to a lecture on AI, and they were talking about some of the problems with bias in, I get what do we call it, the, what's the term I'm looking for, Mark, um, uh, when you create the pa- the patterns or... Oh, training, what, training data? Or training, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, waiting, waiting, I think it weights or whatever that you apply. Well, it, you train a model by calculating the weights, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of... Or um, other way around, we, really. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about a lot of uh, um, software not able to recognize people correctly based on, on race. Um, another one was... Um, something about paroling. They were trying to use AI for parole hearings, whatever, and, and they found that, you know, there was a bias in the system that would automatically reject parole of um, black Americans. And uh, But there was also other things like the when you went to ICE to the uh, emergency room, they would send um, asthmatics home because the, the they didn't record the fact that when an asthmatic went to emergency, they immediately went into uh, ICU, right? So And so the, the software didn't capture that, that step, right? So it was just sort of going, oh, you got pneumonia, go home you know <laughs> kind of thing so yeah it's it's weird uh, we talked about this before the danger of of bad of uh, bad modeling yeah bad modeling yeah yeah, yeah 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 i do wonder in this case i mean i think it's a it, it's great that they're doing this uh but i do wonder if they're kind of using this uh issue as a way to just kill off a project that wasn't going so well mm-hmm. and you know they're trying to make it make themselves look good even though yeah they are doing the right thing but but they're doing the right thing maybe for the wrong reason you know, there might be a business reason behind it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being cynical. Examples of bias and, and you know, um, prejudice and stuff like that throughout, you know, the ages. But but in but I've seen some examples of machine learning, which is where I'm coming back to, right? That that sometimes machine learning can misinterpret uh, faces incorrectly, right? Because of, but again, because of the bad modeling, right? Right. So, yeah. So is that enough reason to throw away the whole concept of modeling? Or does it mean just, yeah. just fix your model and get rid of the bias in your model? Well, and then that's what that's what I'm saying. That's what the lecture was that I went to um, six months ago was sort of like, like not, he wasn't saying that, hey, machine learning is bad. He was right, saying that right. machine learning needs, we need to take it, you know, we need to take it with slow and slowly and with caution and, and, and question the validity of, of the model, right? Um, I, I mean, it's going to take, it's going to take a long, long time before, you know, because one of the things that, you know, we're all sort of moving towards is this whole artificial intelligence thing where, you know, we can have, um, ro- you know, like Android police and and uh, you know, but we don't want Android policemen putting people in chokeholds. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> by the same token, right? We want we want basically want to have sort of some things that are that can be automated to be you know through AI and and um, recognition softwares and machine. What is it? Computer vision, right? I don't want, want Android policemen at all. The UI is just not as clean and fluid and <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. you know, the, like, or like, you know, like people working in, in the, the farming and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, futuristic sci-fi movies I watch where, you know, you've got these big giant harvesters that are all, you know, out there in the, in the fields, you know, doing the work, um, because they, that can be automated, right? Theoretically, right? I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, uh, harvester drivers listening to the podcast as they harvest at home, um, who will argue with me about the fact that there's probably a lot of human intelligence goes, that goes into like, you know, harvesting the, the crops at the, during harvest time, right? You know what I'm saying, right? Like just, there's always a, we, we assume that because something is repetitive, it can be automated and what I was just saying earlier, right? Well, sadly, I think it's just because it's, it's cheaper for people to do it. That's the sad thing. Cheaper for people to do it than it is yeah, for because they don't pay Because yeah. they don't pay them much. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I don't know about you guys, but we have, uh, we have this um, issue in a couple of our provinces because of the whole COVID pandemic thing where we have a lot of um, uh, farming that is uh, an income for migrant workers, right? And um, so there's an entire province where they, they block the migrant workers coming in and, and now all of the farms out there are saying, well, who's going to, who, like those people have the expertise. They've been coming here for generations. You know, one, it, it helps support them and when they go back to their home countries, but because they come here to make a good living and, you know, have a clean lifestyle and stuff like that. And um, by blocking them, the ability to come, now all the, the crops are going to die in the fields because, you know, we can't just take unemployed Canadians and, and have them, you know, in, in, harvest the food with the same sort of expertise that these migrant workers have done for us in the past, right? So, yeah, so weird. And then another story today was about uh, one farm, I forget what it was, but uh, somewhere in Canada where three quarters of the farm workers came down with COVID. Mm. Yeah, so it's not not, uh, not a good thing. Anyway, tough times. Anything else about the uh, IBM stepping back, Jaime? You know, it's something similar uh, to a little bit of a lesser degree as Amazon said that it will not be selling its recognition based tech, uh, face recognition technology to police forces for at least one year. So they put a moratorium wow. uh, on it for a while while they figure things out. Yeah, there was some, wasn't there something we were talking about um, a few months ago that was, I think in Toronto, or there was some sort of AI or software or something that was doing that? Yeah, we'll come back. And of course, we can fact check it for next week, <laughs> if I don't cut that line out. Anyway, um, so this is a story that was, uh, again, by my, f- my friend Zvon, who's uh, I've worked with for many, many years. Um, he's posted another piece here, which is interesting. Uh, he's a, he's teach, he used to teach um, uh, the Mac OS courses for one of the places I worked at, um, where you get your certification kind of thing, right? But he's posted a thing here about the new battery health management thing that we talked about last week in Catalina. Um, and what's interesting about it is there, as he says in the article here, there are three different versions of uh, the kind of uh, thing you can do. You can have, uh, you can favor lifespan, which is one of the options. It lets you run your, your laptop battery down uh, right to the, till it basically quits, uh, if you like. Um, so, you, you know, and then there's another one where you favor runtime for those who like to eke every last bit of power out of their battery, right? Um, and then there's switches needed kind of thing. So there's one one option where, you know, you, you want to run on battery power. Another option where you, you very rarely run on bat- battery power, like you're plugged in most of the time, right? Um, that's not necessarily healthy for the battery. So um, not that either, any one of these are good or bad, I'm saying. It, that the, I didn't mean to say that, but uh, they're um, just to point out that the options are there. And then it's kind of hidden in a sense. Um, what did he say? Oh, yeah. So you go to open, you open system preferences and then you go to energy saver and click on battery health button at the bottom and this dialogue appears and there's a screen- screenshot of the dialogue which lets you choose the type of uh, battery maintenance you would like to have. I'm not even sure I'm going to tinker with this. Um, 
because <laughs> it feels like a level of tinkering that I'll, I'll probably end up just choosing the wrong thing. So maybe I'll yeah, wait yeah. for people to try this out for a while and then maybe we'll have an article on this very show and then I'll say, okay, cool. That's somebody did the, the analysis. I just need to go in and change it to whatever setting they're, they're talking about. Well, it's interesting. I forget. It must have been like two years ago that, that they added this extra extra option where you, if you hold the option key down and click on the battery icon in, or the charge icon in your uh, your menu, it'll tell you the condition of your battery. Let's all do that now. Because cause what I found was when I did it, my battery needed to be replaced, right? So I've obviously got a brand new, compu- brand new computer, so it's just condition normal. Um, yeah, and it's just, uh, you can show the percentage or whatever, and it shows me what, which apps are using significant amount of uh, energy at any point in time. Um, yeah, but I can open my system pre- system preferences and uh, yeah, I go right into the battery thing here. Let's go. I don't think I'm running. Uh, this is, sorry, I guess we should point out too that this is in Catalina 15.5, which I am not running. I'm running 15.4, 10.15.4. So 10.15.5 is when they've added this extra battery health option. And I guess if we haven't updated yet, we don't have to worry about it. But yeah. So yeah, you can get replace soon, replace now, or service battery. Service battery is like when you, you know, you're down to the your battery has had enough charges. I think I think we've talked about this on the foot show before, but your your battery has a finite number of charges that it can it can uh, use, right? And, I mean, not to say finite like a fixed number, but it'll only charge so many times before it needs to be replaced, right? So and and some people, I think Mark, you said you run your your computer uh, with your clamshell mode down, right? Do you, yeah, do you ever take your Mac? It's pretty much plugged in almost all the time uh, because it's I have a Thunderbolt monitor and and an old computer that still supports that. Uh, so uh, the Thunderbolt monitor, if you remember, just has this single cable that comes out that kind of splits off into a into a Thunderbolt port and a uh, connector for the uh, MagSafe power connector. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just keep those two connected pretty much all the time these days. Right, right. So yeah, it's quite possible. My machine's pretty old right now, so it's quite possible that if I ever unplugged it, you know, it would run down in <laughs> half an hour <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't I don't usually do that. Yeah, like I, I my MacBook Pro Air, oh, sorry, my MacBook Air 13 wasn't bad, I would say, but yeah, I did, I did replace the battery. I just got one from Amazon and popped it in. It was pretty straightforward because mm-hmm. the model I have, you can replace the battery, but uh, not easily, but you can do it with a screwdriver and stuff. But so, And I just want to correct myself because I think I misspoke earlier when I said that the, the three options, the favor lifespan is for those who seldom run their battery down, like Mark. Mm-hmm. That would be mm-hmm. the favor lifespan one. Yep. Favor runtime would be the one, people who are who are the digital nomads who are running around like crazy people, uh, untethered, um, that will give you your battery. Your battery will last longer, or sorry, it will run longer before it kind of shuts down kind of thing. Um, not that it's magic, a magic pan, it'll magically make the battery last longer. It just means it'll let you run your battery down uh, till it till it pretty much dies. And then, in fact, it, it won't it. last longer in real time. It'll it'll die faster if you do that. Yeah, if you're yeah. using it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. But you'll get more runtime in each each every between chargers. Right. Yeah. Right. But and you can do that. You can also choose switches needed, which is sort of for me. Like I, you know, on days when I'm recording podcasts, I'm plugged into my desk and I everything's hunky dory. But you know, I'll I'll sit on the couch and and just you know not have not be plugged in and and uh, so I might use switches needed for instance because then I could you know have the best of both worlds right between battery health and and uh, the amount of time I need to run so yeah so that's uh, just a 
bit of information on that uh, from our friends on. All right. And then this next article, this is coming back to the, the current situation that we were just talking about. Um, this was posted, this is mentioned by Amber Mack on uh, her Facebook page, made a comment about it. Uh, so Carol pointed this out to me that um, this new thing called, or I don't know if it's new, but it's thing called geofence warrants where police are using, and the headline here obviously is, is timely in that it says how police can use protesters' phones against them. But I think this, this applies to any anywhere where a crime is going down. Um, police have had the ability to, um, with, and it's think specifically with Google. I didn't know they don't mention Apple much in this article, but um, you know, with the location services that they have in there, um, they're able to create a um, a warrant and get the information of the phones that were in the in the in the area where the crime went down, um, and then they can you know uh, use that to track and find people, right? So yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's not too much to say about this, but yeah, it's, this is one of those things that we have to worry about. You know, we are, we are in a potentially dangerous time right now, uh, where things are moving in a, well, seem to be moving in a, in a more authoritative direction, at least in the U.S. here. And we have to be careful about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like interesting here, it says like no federal law prohibits or restricts the type of search warrants, you know, but state officials are are starting to change that a bit. Right. But um, yeah, so it's just interesting to point out that, you know, and, and as technologists, you know, I think we're interested in this. That you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about contract contact tracing and using you know apps to do that kind of thing for the for the betterment of everybody and, and health of everybody. Yeah. Uh, this is the complete opposite side of it. Yeah, right? but Where, you know, speaking of contact tracers, I, I was reading something about how there's already contact tracing scammers out there, which is really yeah, sad. Of course. But of course, yeah. it was going to happen. You know, people pretend to be a contact tracer and try to get your personal information, do some phishing of your oh, of your nice. private info yeah. while in the guise of a contact tracer. So be careful for that. Be careful about that. Watch out for it. Yeah, good point. And then, yeah, so some examples here. They're, saying, they're showing that uh, KT, KSTP-TV found that geofence warrants in the state in Minnesota had doubled from 2018 to 2019. So uh, it's getting to be quite uh, quite a bit. So anyway, just be aware of this story and maybe have a, have a read-through if you're concerned. And I think it should be, my opinion. Now we're up to the Jaime show. So Jaime, what do you for us. First one is a link from Apple on new resources available for password manager apps. So mm, if you're not right. developing a password manager app, this may not be for you, but I thought it was interesting nevertheless. So Apple's put together an open source project that's sharing what they've done for the iCloud keychain password manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're trying to make it easier for there to be more consistency across these different kinds of managers with regards to a few different things. So if you click through to the actual GitHub repo, they sort of lay it out in what four different areas, right? So um, password rules, so that password rules end up being roughly similar for for strong passwords. Um, websites that share backend credentials, meaning it you know might have gone to like I don't know StateFarm.com, but then when you log in, it's like accounts.statefarm.app or similar, and you don't want everybody having to rediscover that. Oh yeah, these these actually are supposed to be together. So go ahead and massage that for the user, right? Um, uh, also, the uh, location of the URLs that people can go to to change their password, you know, making it easier for folks. So it's like, oh no, you know, you know, have I been owned.com or whatever it's called, uh, owned with a P? Owned, yeah. Um, <laughs> owned. Yeah, owned. <laughs> you know, have I been owned? Like, if you figure out that, oh, you've got a compromised password, your password manager can take you directly to the change URL, right? The change password URL. And then also, uh, listings of sites where the 2FA code is appended to the password, um, 
which is sort of weird to have it done that way versus a separate field. But, you know, I think the, the main thing here is like, this is a lot of stuff that Apple's been dealing with for Safari and they're opening it up to the community of like, Hey, if you're one password or last pass or etc., you don't have to go and recreate all of this knowledge from scratch. You can build upon what Apple's done here as well as your own knowledge. And hopefully everybody ends up sharing a lot of that. So it's a little bit easier and lowers the barrier and entry for folks trying to create their own password manager. So we should point out too that uh, we lost a lead here that this is Apple's GitHub repo. Um, and uh, interesting that see that uh, like Ricky Mondello is one of the one of the people who did the initial commit here. One of the tools I was just looking at. So this this is specifically this is not specifically, but this is to be used by things like Safari or websites and things like that, or is this for app developers as well? I don't think it's generally useful for app developers unless you're looking to create a password manager. Mm, I see. Okay. So yeah. So if you're at, with the LastPass team or the One Password team, right? Presumably, if you're doing something similar, to Safari, and it's all on, on, it's all on JavaScript. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's it, it's also good for for people developing, you know, who may be developing a back end for their app, right? Like, you know, I I may know of one on this show who does that. Um, and um, yeah, so um, any tools and tips and stuff like that would be would be helpful for how to handle these kind of things, right? So cool. Yeah, the password rules one is one that could be helpful for usability reasons. I don't know how many times I've gone in to create a new password and like, hey, of course I let's crank the um, uh, the strength all the way to the right, you know, all the way to eleven, as they say, for for <laughs> password strength. And then the website's like, no, it sucks to be you. You can only have sixteen characters in length. Like, oh, really? Wish you would have told me that before. Now I got to go in like a chump and then move that back manually and then recreate again. And it looks to me like this is um, one area, right? For the the quirks, the password rules is like, all right, well, uh, let's pick on somebody. Angie's list.com. So apparently Angie lists password rules have a minimum length of six and a maximum length of 15. Kind of a weird, a weird number, but you know, that would be one of those things of like, all right, I created a password. Well, it sucks to be you, Lopez. You, you create a password. It's one character too long. All right. All right. Let me go change that then. Right. I think this is something that can make it easier for password managers to just recognize, oh, users trying to create a password for Angie's list.com. Let's just go ahead and set it to the settings we know to be correct so that the, there's just one less stumbling block in the way of, of, you know, creating passwords. Yeah. It's funny. The inconsistencies in, in password management from site to site is, is something that I often shake my head at because, you know, lately the toughest uh, passwords are, are words like phrases because um, they're harder to figure out. And yet, you know, if you're trying to use a password like that, most sites will reject it because you're not using special characters and upper and lowercase and a number, you know, that seems to be the sort of go-to thing for most um, websites these days. But and then you occasionally come across one that won't let you use some of the, you know, special characters like bangs and uh, colons and, you know, other things like they're, they're I guess they're afraid of um, cross-site scripting and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I do wish it was sort of a, was sort of a, some sort of standardized way of, of you know, handling uh, passwords. You don't want people putting simple passwords in, obviously, but uh, <laughs> it's funny because I, I, just as a sidebar here, that sometimes, you know, because I have a hyphen in, in my domain name, I still go run across sites every now and then where I can't register with an email address because they won't take, they won't take the hyphen. So yeah, weird. Anyway, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's all good. Okay, this next article is from a friend of the show, Fwad. Um, he posted it on one of the Slack channels I follow. And, and it's an issue of interest to me, um, comparing UI design tools uh, in 2020. And uh, the the author picks on picks three of them and compares them uh, to each other. I'd never, I hadn't, until this week, I hadn't even heard of um, Figma. Have you heard of Figma? Oh, yeah, sure. We use Figma. Mm-hmm. Do you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's a web-based uh, design tool. Yep. Um, and Sketch, obviously, is Sketch is one that I, I, I regret not 
not getting into early early on um, because you know I think it was like fifty dollars one time purchase and then then they moved over to to a sort of subscription model um, and then of course there's Adobe XD personally I still use Illustrator and Photoshop for my uh, my designs but anyway so so uh, Sketch by the way has a, a special promo right now um, I don't know how long it runs for but you can get a license of Sketch for ninety nine dollars US and that's a one time license and then if you want to re- and for a full calendar year you get unlimited upgrades if you want to continue the upgrade path after that it's uh, seventy nine dollars US so it's a pretty pretty good deal um, enough that enough to say that I I thought okay well I've, I've always wanted to get Sketch so I, I paid for it and got it um, I've used it a few times in demo mode but uh, yeah you only get a thirty day demo so going through this he compares the different uh, different plans so yeah like the ninety nine dollar one time payment for Sketch plus the seventy nine dollars um, Figma is free for up to three projects um, and then you, but that's also when you can collaborate with other people as well. I think Sketch also has a collaborative multi-user mode as well. And they also have a Sketch Cloud where you can share your files, similar to what Adobe's doing with Creative Cloud and that kind of thing. And then Adobe, of course, is free. Um, and there's no it says no limits until October 2020. So I don't know what's going to happen after 2020. Um, but yeah, but that's also limited to only one shared project between two people. So that's kind of kind of level playing field there. Um, in terms of layout, he compares doing a simple thing like putting a, a, a label in a text box underneath it and a button. Um, and looks at how how easy it is to lay that out, and compares the three reprograms uh, doing that using layout. Um, compares uh, the collaboration whether you can work with other people on things uh, if you're working with other designers at the same time. Um, Sketch, I think, and Zeppelin. I don't know if you guys have heard of Zeppelin, but Zeppelin is sort of an online collaborative environment. Um, if, like if you don't have a server in house, you can use that sort of cloud based kind of thing. Um, so Sketch is tied in with that, and of course, Mark, you said you use Figma right at work. Yeah, Figma so, seems to be the tool of choice for the designers I've been working with for the past several years, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is because of the collaborative tools. Uh, it's it's kind of like the, to make an analogy, the, the Google Docs of, of design tools where where you can, in real time, you can be watching someone edit the the uh, the document mm-hmm. and putting in comments and things. And it's it's all, you know, interactive in real time. Nice. Yeah. So uh, the question I do have about the, the these three tools in particular, especially but maybe figma you know so one when, when the designer is done laying the thing out can they hand it to you in a sort of ready-made mode and you pick it up from there or do they give you like a document with like our our sketch developers they or designers they give us a document that tells us like you know how how many pixel or, or points you know this how many points high this is and how far away it is from its neighbor kind of thing yeah so but, so there's there's not so much a concept of a document as in you you log in to the web tool and it's there you know if, if you in the, if you're invited in the project, it's there, and it, it's the same way. You can you can look at it in kind of a presentation mode, where you can just kind of you know just look at it and flip through the different pages uh, and do the you know the standard kind of thing of of uh, uh, you know um, pretend like you're in the app and and you tap on something and it moves to the next screen, that kind of stuff. Uh, but then there is another mode where you can probe all the components and look at all the spacings and and colors and fonts and all that kind of stuff. But there's no concept of them giving you a nib. Or, or a storyboard from this kind of thing. Well, you know, they the tool has the capability of generating code, yeah. uh, which the designers, some of them, are always like, "Oh yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just do, it. I'll just generate the code for you." Uh, but I've always found that to be a, a complete disaster because. 
because the the code that's generated is is uh, they put in what I've seen they put in constraints, but they're specific constraints for a particular size device that it's exported for. Right, and right, it's hard coded, right. so it's almost like it's almost like they generate code with setting all the frames to to hard coded values, uh, and and that is not really useful. Hmm. I wonder if Apple's going to come out with a Swift UI on the web sort of idea, you know? Because because that, that's the thing about Swift UI is is you're you're doing the same sort of thing. You're you're putting a, a box in and you're putting a label in and you're putting a button in and you're telling them how they relate to each other, right? And that magically changes, transforms itself for iPhone, iPad, watch, and TV, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that would that would have to be part of something that would be incredibly useful, and that mm-hmm. would be a interactive Xcode mode, <laughs> right? Maybe you could run on an iPad, Mark. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be, but but just imagine Xcode. Now there are times when this would be horrible, but there are times yes. when this would be useful where you've written some code uh, and and you could do, let's say you do a, a design review by pointing people to the code and they can make comments directly in the code and you can actually kind of see it, you know, without without a, without them having to, I mean, this this could this could be bad, right? I'm, I'm just sort of <laughs> thinking out loud yeah, here. From, from a developer, but, I, 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 as a developer, I do shudder when the, when even though I have a design background, I shudder when a designer says, oh, I can just, you know, can't you just use the, the sample I gave you, right? So. Right. But I'm talking, I'm talking about not even for design. I'm talking about for real code, you know, having an interactive X code where you could have just like sort of where like a Google doc where anyone can edit it and put in comments and there's full versioning. Well, in theory, you could do the same kind of thing with code. Um, but let, you know, maybe let's not even go there because that breaks the whole, you know, Git model. Cause it's different. It's, it's, yeah. it's different. It's different, but it might be interesting. Back in the, pre- in the pre-press days and printing days, you know, we used to get, um, people used to think Microsoft Word could be used for page layout, right? And and Microsoft didn't like dissuade them from that idea, but it was great if you wanted to put a flyer on a, on a telephone pole and, you know, with the with the tear-off phone numbers, but it wasn't so much for, for proper printing. We used to get documents like that all the time. And we used to have a Microsoft product too that was... Front page is what you're thinking of in a very lightweight what? version of what front page could do. Front Let page? me tell you, Microsoft it? Word used to be able to do that too. You could generate a website or a web page, yeah, I should no, say, from, from Word if you wanted. It was, called, it was called Microsoft Publisher and it was, yeah, it was a disaster too because it, it would give you basically like laser writer or, or inkjet ready kind of artwork, but it wasn't, you know, you couldn't put it into a magazine. Like the image quality wasn't there kind of thing, right? Anyway, yeah. So, uh, and so yeah, it compares uh, collaboration, compares performance, um, prototyping as well in terms of being able to build little interactive because all of these tools have like an interactive mode where you can, you can you know, uh, have a display and push over to another to a detail view and that kind of stuff, even though like it's just it's just for mock-up sake, but you can do that. I mean, you can do the same thing in, in Adobe Acrobat. I used to do that back in the day. Um, and then plugin. The plugin world, obviously, uh, uh, Sketch kicks butt there because it's been around for a long time. Um, Figma just added plugin support last year. Yeah, and then um, compares, you know, the time to get time to get the stuff out. And, and uh, yeah, he recommends Figma as the, as of, of the three, Sketch, Figma, and Adobe XD. Oh, Adobe XD has been up, up, for, up for about a year, maybe 18 months. Um, yeah, so he recommends uh, Figma as your starting point. If you're doing nothing, if you have nothing right now and you just want to get going, so that's a good idea. And like I said, uh, I, I forked over the $99 the other day just to buy myself a copy of Sketch so I can start comparing that to the other tools that I've been using in the past. So not that I'm working on any new apps at the, at the moment, but who knows, right? So that's my story on design for developers, I guess. <laughs> you know, these things 
sort of go in in cycles, right? There's usually something that's on the rise and something that's what ten year cycles. On the way. I don't know about about that. Like, I actually <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I I don't actually follow design tools close enough to know since I don't work with them every day. Um, but yeah. I do remember when uh, OmniGraffle was like the way you did yeah. app designs, and yeah. then maybe Balsamic for a while. Um, I don't know if I have those reversed in order. Uh, of course, Photoshop has sort of always been there. Anything Adobe has, has always been there. Um, Sketch sort of came out of nowhere as the the much cheaper and when looked at specifically for app development, nicer way of doing things. But you can sort of tell in the data of here from 2018 and compared to 2019, um, Sketch is flat, slightly under where it was before from 2018 mm. over to 2019. And Figma has what? Just about doubled? Yeah, I'll call it doubled. So, I mean, I'd say that, that Figma is clearly on the rise and Sketch is, you know, if you're not growing, you're, you're decreasing, right? So uh, I would not be surprised to see a little bit of a decrease in the 2020 results for Sketch. So if you're looking to invest your skills, um, if you don't already have Sketch skills, it seems like you're probably better off starting with Figma since that seems to be on the rise. Well, I can tell you that what attracted me about Sketch was the was the, a couple of things. One is I don't have a copy of Photoshop at, at the big corporation, so I just downloaded a copy of Sketch one day because I needed to do some example. I was trying to show the company how to use uh, universal art, like using instead of using you know three or six or nine different uh, rastered files for for various icons, we could make one icon and then use it as a universal because we'd create a vector, right? Save it as a PDF or save it as SVG and, and use it in the app. Um, Sketch is really good at doing that kind of stuff. It's got the same kind of tools that I would I would have used Adobe Illustrator for that if I had my choice, right? But that's because I've been doing that since '88. Um, but the uh, uh, sketch, I was able to like create a little star icon in, in Sketch and then use it in my demo at, at the office. And um, so, yeah, it's 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 got the tools to do what you know a graphic artist I'm doing our quotes would do, kind of thing, right? For for simple things like icons and and you know app buttons and what have you, right? I'll have to take Figma first for a test drive, see what, what what's up with it. I haven't tried Adobe XD. I don't remember when it came out, but I wasn't sure where Adobe was going with this product, right? In terms of whether you had to have Creative Cloud and like kind of stuff. I assume, assume if you have Creative Cloud, you have access to uh, Adobe XD because they, they do that where they bundle everything in together, right? I don't know. Is, are there different tiers of the Creative Cloud where you get some things and not others, or is it just all inclusive? Well, yeah, there are, there are. You can get single application or single purpose ones. Like I currently have, um, I stumbled into the, I bought a hard drive, a Seagate hard drive that came with like a two-month trial. Um, and what it was was a Lightroom trial. Lightroom is like a, a photo editing suite for, you know, developing uh, digital photos and, and editing them and that kind of stuff and it's, it's very it's 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 like iPhoto or iPhoto app I'm going to call it photos or the photo or iPhoto app on steroids right um, histograms and that kind of stuff stuff I would normally do in Photoshop and things like that but it came with a copy of Photoshop as well right so I pay 9.99 I think US a month um, and uh, I get a, I get Photoshop, which is what I wanted. But whereas if you want to get Photoshop, as I think Photoshop is like $20 a month if you want to get that single license for that. So it was a good deal for me. But I think the full... The full deal is around $40 or $49 or something like that. If you pay that per month, you get everything that Adobe has. So Premiere, you know, Illustrator, InDesign, um, Dreamweaver, all the sort of tools that you would need. And it would, I would assume including all this stuff. Plus, Adobe also has a whole slew of free apps that run on the iPad. And they all tie into their Adobe Cloud, right? So if I design something in Photoshop, I can put it up on the cloud. I can open it on my iPad. And, and I can do some work on it on the iPad, put it back on the cloud.
cloud and then sort of sync it back in. Adobe's had this br- thing they used to call Bridge back in the early Creative Suite days that ran, you know, in your in your office. But now that's moved up to the cloud, kind of that idea, right? So yeah, for nine ninety nine, I get in, I get Lightroom, which I've never even opened, and uh, Photoshop, or or I could pay forty dollars and get the forty nine dollars and get the whole deal, right? So, but it's you know, and the sad the thing that irks me personally is I don't do enough um, Photoshop or or InDesign or Illustrator, yeah, InDesign. Sorry, not InDesign. Illustrator to warrant paying forty nine dollars a month, in my opinion, right? Um, so I'm still humping along my old copy of CS6, which is gonna one of these days not work at all in Catalina, right? Fortunately, they are they are sixty four bit, so they still work. But yeah, there's lots of buggy. It's pretty buggy in some cases, right? Hold that thought for later in this episode, because. Right. Maybe there'll be a time where it won't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. All right, um, yeah, so this is the big story, I guess, uh, the next one here. Um, I even watched a, a video today. Rene was talking, Rene Ritchie was talking a bit about this today. So why don't you lead us into the what's happening in two weeks, Sammy? Yeah, the claim here is a report from Bloomberg. They're saying that uh, the ARM chip transition for Macs will happen in uh, 2021, and the developer story for that will begin this year in WWDC 2020. So in a couple of weeks, they're saying that uh, the Apple will reveal this. It is a pretty pretty big claim. Um, not unreasonable, but it's pretty bold to say that it's uh, looking to happen this year and, and so soon. So very, very interesting if it indeed does happen. And, and to your Photoshop 6 questions, I'm guessing it won't work on a, on an ARM Mac. So there is a, a ticking clock for, for that copy of Photoshop that you have there. Um, but it'll be interesting because it's, it's definitely something that people have been asking about for a while uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, Intel had some issues with its product line in terms of not being able to provide the sort of CPU specs that Apple has been wanting. Largely the only game in town, you know, sideways glance at, at AMD. Um, and Apple has been really trying to control more of its whole vertical supply chain as it is. So it, it just makes a lot of sense, right? That people have done these uh, benchmarks for a single core uh, CPU performance. Like, oh my gosh, this, you know, this iPad Pro out- outperforms this, this, uh, this Mac Pro, how is this possible? Well, you know, it's not unreasonable that maybe for a fair amount of tasks, or at least some tasks, it might make sense to have ARM chips. And then as those start to get better and better, it might make sense to leave Intel behind altogether. Very similar, I think, to the transition that happened moving from the um, PowerPC chips over to Intel. So I, I didn't really, I mean, <laughs> I didn't live through that transition because I wasn't in the Apple ecosystem then. I, I certainly was around, right? I was, I was, I existed and was alive and I was aware that it happened, but maybe you guys can talk about some of your which transition is this one? This is from Intel to to ARM, but I'm kind of curious how you might perceive the transition as you came from PowerPC over to to Intel. The the PowerPC to Intel was actually relatively seamless uh, from a developer point of view, with a few weird changes. There was I remember there was one particular case where uh, some of the colors. I remember an open, I was playing with OpenGL at the time, and mm-hmm. the, the colors were were uh, big-ended on one platform and and, and little-ended on the other platform. Oh, right. And so whenever I, I typed in, I was just learning at the time, I typed in the, the example projects and it would say, this should be blue, it would turn out yellow or something like that. And so every all oh, the wow. colors were flipped. So there were little things like that. 
but they, they, as I recall, they didn't warn us. Well, I wasn't really a de- developer that much at the time. I was just getting getting into being a developer time uh, of on this platform. Uh, and but I do recall they didn't really warn us all that well that it was coming because I remember right. that I bought Power Mac, Power PC Mac, and a few weeks later they announced the Intel One. So I I had this brand right. new Power PC Mac that was kind of crappy for a year with the colors all wrong because of this issue. <laughs> right. Oh wow. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah, it was an interesting time, and just trying to think here because I've, I've been through a couple of these. I mean, which is why they get they get blurry between which issue was which. Um, but the Intel was between the cheese grater Macs, right? Because we had the big G5 cheese grater, and then we had the big Intel cheese grater, and then we also had the Intel iMacs. I I may have it wrong, but I it, I think it was at the wasn't that Carbon the, and and um, yeah, I guess it would have been G5 because G3, G4, G5 were PowerPC uh, nomenclature. Yeah. So yeah, so there was the particular model of Mac that I bought was. Was one that that it was it was one of the it was an iMac the one the, the one that had the it was a flat screen iMac but not the little mm-hmm. lamppost one it yeah was the white the one next, right? the next one the, the bigger one yeah the, that yeah. was probably a G5 yeah. yeah and and they had I recall they had the exact same model but there was a PowerPC mm-hmm. version and an Intel version and I bought the PowerPC PowerPC version yeah and then they just kind of said surprise here's a new new model yeah I have a couple of I have a couple of 17 inch G5s which are really nice sized computers yeah. but they're G5s yeah. and then then I've but then I've got you know a bunch of uh, uh, Intel Macs here. My but my two X serves. One of them is a G5 X serve, and the, mm. the other one is a is a Xeon mm-hmm, X serve. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they look slightly different, but but you'd, you know you'd be hard pressed to look at it and go, oh, that's a blah blah blah, right? Yeah. So I, I think in this case though, they're they're being fair. I mean, it's they're saying that it's not going to be till 2021 most likely that any of this happens. Uh, and yeah. uh, it'll it'll be interesting. They're saying that uh, you know it won't be all at once. So certain models will come up for the others. So it'll be interesting from a dev point of view what that will mean. It may mean having to pay attention to that current architectures lag again, like we used to have to all the time because that was always changing. Uh, and uh, or or valid supported architectures, valid architectures in Xcode and build settings. Uh, and remember, there was always this ARM v4, ARM v5, ARM 7s, ARM v7, yeah. all that. Yeah. And nobody knew exactly what they meant, but we knew they were related to different architectures, and you always have to ensure that they were set to the right thing. Uh, so it may mean a return back to that for a little while while we have multiple versions. And it may mean that the binaries are going to get fatter because we are having to ship multiple architectures, which means, you know, archiving builds will take longer. Uh, but, you know, presumably they'll use app thinning to stream, to, to strip all that out. The final version of the app that you download will just be, just be the one that you actually need for your particular device. Um, so they did have, they did have during that transition period, Jaime, they had the classic environment. Um, Cause so, a lot of software didn't necessarily make the transition right away, and so it was. It was I forget what it is carbon, and there was another charcoaly kind of sound. Well, you're name. talking about the classic to PowerPC again. Oh, wait, am I? Yeah, yeah. That was that was uh, carbon and Poco. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you ran OS 10. You had that classic environment that ran in there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about years later than that when the move from PowerPC from to Intel. To, right. So there was um, 68,000 to PowerPC. That was in the mid to late 90s, and that's when we had classic environment. We could run iOS nine. Not iOS right, 9, but, the, but there was also Mac there was 9. that time there was a, there was a time when when because um, it just recently like within maybe three or four years ago they dropped uh, an environment that would let you run on the PowerPC versus Intel because I remember Office was one of the one of the, no Office that's not true either. Hmm. 
We're talking about Intel versus versus G5, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember there being an emulator. Yeah, this is all in the Mac OS 10. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess there would have been. I guess it makes sense that there would have been, but I I, don't, I just don't remember it. Maybe maybe because I had a PowerPC version for so much longer. <laughs> yeah. So by the time I went to an a... Intel, everything had been switched over. That's it's possible. Yeah. Maybe I just didn't yeah. experience yeah. that. Oh, yes, yeah. it was called Mac OS 10 back then. Yeah. But classic environment was definitely Mac OS 9. Yeah. No. No. I just I'm just trying to 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 answer Jaime's question because there there was a there was a time period where people had to um, change their because OS 10 ran on on G5s initial or on PowerPCs initially right and then it was and the Intel project was a secret for a long time even though we all knew it was Unix and it had to be able to run on Intel eventually right um, okay let's see Apple released Mac OS 10 version 10.6 Snow Leopard as Intel only removing support for the PowerPC architecture right, right. yeah that's what I'm talking about when was that Leopard? Snow Leopard removes Snow support Leopard. for PowerPC. So earlier versions of Mac OS. Let's go back further. Uh, so, okay, the first generation Intel-based Macs were released in January 2006 with 10.4.4 Tiger. Right. And the last models to switch were in August 2006. Yeah, because I had a so, G3. Well, I had a Wall Street G3, and I used to run OS 10 on that on a 2-gigabyte hard drive. Yeah. It, Jaime. So so between between 10.4.4 Tiger and Snow Leopard, so between January 2006 and August 2009, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mac OS supported both. And it was a final 32-bit Intel Mac support too, right? Final release of Intel, it says, Intel 32-bit. Well, that was mm. that was even later, right? Catalina was the one that no longer supports 32-bit. That that was much later. No, so I think, I think, Rosetta, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, maybe it's Rosetta I'm thinking of. Yeah, it had, it had that sort of, it was sort of an environment that let you... Yeah, so, okay, so Rosetta, I'm reading Wikipedia now. Rosetta is a discontinued dynamic binary translator for Mac OS 10 that allowed many mm-hmm. PowerPC applications to run on certain Intel-based Macs without modification. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, that, and so Office had that, and they, they they just they just got dropped a few years ago, right? So was Rosetta went away in Lion. Lion was the first one without Rosetta. Right. So right. with Lion and later releases, quoting Wikipedia, the current Mac platform does not support PowerPC applications. What page are you looking on the Mac OS 10 page? Currently, or? I'm looking at the Rosetta page on oh, Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah. So between mm-hmm. 10.4.4 and 10.6, it supported Rosetta, it looks like. And starting with 10.7, Lion, it no longer supported Rosetta. Hmm. And which one are we on now? We're on 15 now? So that was... Catalina's 15, yeah. 15. That was at least... For two more weeks eight until years they reduced Mac OS 16. Right, right. right. Oh, should we place bets on what uh, geography <laughs> the... The new version's kind of well. It's not fair because you live in California, right? Yeah, so true. you have the advantage of that. Um, what do you think, Ma- uh, Jaime? Mac OS burrito? <laughs> no, I think it'll be all right. So <laughs> avocado? Will it be um, <laughs> the Rock <laughs> and, and not Dwayne Johnson? I'm talking about the um, the, the prison island. <laughs> it's name embarrassingly yeah, escapes me. Alcatraz. 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 Yeah. Well, Mac so we've had Alcatraz? we've had a national park that was Yosemite. We had Mojave, yeah. which was a desert. We've had Catalina, right. which was an island. Have we had other mm. ones? Were there any other ones, or was it just those three? Well, we had the we had the the, the Mavericks, which is a Mavericks. Uh, place to go Mavericks surfing, is a right? beach. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yosemite. We had El Capitan, which is oh, also El Capitan. A mountain, right? Yeah. That's a that's a mountain. Yeah. So Mavericks was Mavericks the first non big cat? Uh, let's see. Yeah. Wow, I it's been, it Mavericks. It's, has it been really five years already of, of these place names? Mm-hmm, Maybe it's mm-hmm. time for a new, new motif. Paradigm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. How many years were cats? 
that? Uh, started from 99 to Sierra. Oh, we forgot Sierra. Sierra, that's right. So, yeah. Yeah. So 99. So yeah, roughly almost 15 years. Wow. Oh, and there was High Sierra too, right? Wasn't there a Sierra right, and a High yeah. Sierra? That's true. So it's been seven years. That's about as long as cats, weren't they? In cats, we had what? We had Jaguar, Tiger, Leopard, Snow Leopard, Puma. Lion. We had Puma. Yeah. Puma was the first Puma? one, I think. Really? Yeah. Let's see here. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. It's they, Yeah. Okay. Cheetah, Cheetah, Puma, Jaguar, Panther, Tiger, Leopard, Cheetah, Snow Leopard, sorry, Lion, the... Mountain Lion. So let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine cats. And we've had Mavericks, Yosemite, El Capitan, Sierra, High Sierra, Mojave, and Catalina. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven geographical locations. So maybe there's a couple of geographical locations. Well, so the other thing, too, about it is that it was always, you know, um, Craig Federighi who would announce the name and, and he would always do it to the audience, right? And he would always yeah, have some sure. joking. But how's he going to do it this year without the audience to laugh well, at him? it'll still, you know, it'll still be uh, a video of him standing up there on the stage, probably. Yeah, with little cardboard cutouts of people. Yeah, with <laughs> some, yeah, with some, uh, with a laugh track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with people going, ooh and ah. Oh. Yeah, let's let's try to let's try to think through this logically. So we got Mavericks was a beach, Yosemite was a state park, El Capitan's a mountain, Sierra's a mountain range, High Sierra's a, another mountain range, Mojave's mm. a desert, Catalina's an island. What other... There's what other geographical features of California? I mean, there's the Central Plain, which is you know farmland, kind of flat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you'd name Yosemite's kind of in that area. What's the name of your uh, valley where the wine comes from? Napa. Napa. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Macquarie Napa. Yeah, but Napa's kind of a city, so I I don't know that they would name it after a city. I'm just going through the Wikipedia page right now to see what uh, yeah pops out. Oh, how about a big lake, Clear Lake? Uh, Berryessa. That one's kind of long. Tahoe. It could be a Tahoe. Mm. What is Tahoe? Is that a lake? Tahoe's a big no. lake. Giant lake. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to guess uh, Tahoe. I'm going to guess Tahoe. Although maybe Tahoe? that might be a little too obvious, but I'm going to guess Tahoe. There's Mount Shasta. Yeah. Central Valley, Mojave Desert, Sierra Nevada. Shasta would be a good one because they could do cross promotion with the soda. Big Sur. Laguna, maybe? Oh, Big Sur. Big Sur. Big Sur is an interesting one. How about Laguna? Or what's Glamis? I've never heard of that before. Sand dunes? I don't know what that is. Could be Joshua Tree. How about Joaquin? That's a valley. I mean, since they, since they, you know, like names that are hard to spell, right? Yeah. So it's know. only hard to spell. Redwood, well, maybe? Redwood's a possibility. Yeah. That's, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a good possibility. Redwood. Yep. Mm-hmm. As long as they don't go with Death Valley, that would be a right. bad Right. That's probably a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> Mono Lake? No, that's the black and white version of Mojave or Mac OS. Mono. Yeah. Whitley? How about Mount, Mount Whitley? Sequoia? Sequoia is possible. Come on, homie. you got to throw some names out here. I'm trying to think if there's like any landmarks in the Apple campus. A Sacramento? Like a, like a named tree or something in there or, or a funny shaped mm. boulder somewhere in the in the center. Baja? That's actually in Mexico. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Baja, California. Oh, it's actually not California. No. Uh, well, I mean, not the state of California, mm-hmm. but you know, it was, it was California before it was a state and before it was part of the U.S. So there was Baja, California was the, was the piece of it that uh, is kind of the west part of Mexico that's sort of that's the peninsula that points down hmm. there was a picture here on the page I'm looking at the, the birthplace of Silicon Valley which is a garage yep. that Hewitt, Hewitt and Packard uh, yeah, and worked in Palo Alto. in the 30s yeah. is that what it is Palo Alto I think it was Palo Alto yeah huh. okay I think we've narrowed it down it's going to be either Tahoe or Redwood or Sequoia those are my guesses uh-huh. alright I, I would I would throw out Joshua Tree as well except that that was already that U2 album and right. that's you know that's been it's been done yeah. it's also 
two yeah. words. Well, they've done two yeah. words before. They did some leopard yeah. nice era. Could be Joshua. Who knows? Joshua. Um, but so speaking of, I, I put this article here too because it kind of I thought it tied in with the Bloomberg announcement. But I, I'm just noticing here as I'm reading through it, it is not quite the same thing. It's talking about uh, a new iMac with an iPad Pro design language. Did you guys see this one that I posted just below high I saw that there was something about uh, something about using an iMac, Lake but I'm not sure I understand what the iPad Pro design language means. I think it's a, a, I think, a physical design update because uh, the, the iMacs have looked thinner bezel more around the, the same corners. for a long time. Got it. Yeah. 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 And um, uh, Randy Rich in his video was talking about possibly not necessarily this year, but the mini, mini LED, which is a pixel level, pixel sized uh, LED, I think. Uh, that's a possibility for that too. So I'll put a link to the, uh, yeah, it's similar, like thinner bezel, similar to the design of the Apple Pro XDR display, which we've talked about already. Um, sort of idea for this, uh, this uh, new possible iMac. This is from Sunny Dixon as well, talking about T2 chip, because I don't think the I, the iMacs necessarily have uh, Touch ID yet, right? I think they do not, sorry. Alrighty, I guess we're at the picks part of the show, are we? I mean, look, are you, are you the only one here with a pick today, so what do you got? I've got uh, Excaladraw here, it's nifty, Whoa. nifty little tool that you draw using sort of normal tools that you would expect. You can make your know, diamonds and circles and arrows and stuff, and, and freehand draw. But the nice thing is that it gives you a hand-drawn look to things. Yeah, it looks Which nice. can be useful where you're, you know, you're wanting to do something with a little bit more rigor than just, you know, actually sketching on a sketch pad. And, and of course, this is easier to share with people. You're not like having to take a photo as an example of, of a, a whiteboard or something. But it, you know, it has that hand-drawn aspect to it that I think allows, in my opinion, for more collaboration where people don't feel like, well, you know, they spend a lot of time making these pretty boxes. Like, eh, don't focus on that too much, right? Don't focus on yeah. you know, making it pretty. Like, I just wanted to get the point across of this is what I'm trying to understand. And, and then I think people feel a little bit more open to uh, provide criticism. Like, well, actually, this part is confusing, right? They don't uh, they don't fuss too much over, well, this looks pretty polished. So I'm just going to not look very deep. It, you know, attempts to mimic the idea of like, well, this is kind of freehand and, uh, you know, first draft here. What do you think? And uh, it seems pretty nice. Yeah, I'm playing with a note. It's nice. It saves it as an XCelladraw file. Like, how do you save it as a, as a, I can click on this button. How do I say, oh, export. Yeah, so I can save it as a PNG, SVG. Yeah, it, it has that weird dichotomy between save so that you can open. So the first icon is to open. So you could save these diagrams um, mm-hmm. or it, it, like in, a, in an editable, for, editable format, or you can export to a rendered format like PNG, I think. Mm. Over the option. Do you have more options? PNG, SVG, and create a link, hyperlink to things. You can copy to your clipboard if you want to just throw it into something really quick. And they give you 1x, 2x, and 3x options. Yeah, it's nice. And it's it's got these uh, architect, artist, and cartoonist version. They call it sloppiness, which I think is funny. Where is that? Uh, so if you say you choose choose a square, let's say, or a box, yeah, yeah. and then there's sort of a format box that oh, pops I up. Oh, I see. Yeah, right. architect, right. artist, cartoonist. Oh, I see. It's, it's sort of sl- a sloppiness. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, it gives you the, sort of the hand-drawn rendering kind of look. Nice. Being able to find... Oh, I see. Oh, okay. So you can, you can export it as a SVG, too, and it becomes a vector. Yeah, right? if you really wanted it to be 
up on a billboard, SVG would be your way to, to get it vectorized so it could mm. be uh, infinitely scalable. If you click on the corner, there's a little, a little GitHub um, link to their GitHub page. On the Octocat in the right-hand corner? Yeah. Yeah, it is, I think, open source. I didn't look too closely. Wait, in the right? Oh, there. Is this open source? Uh, under the MIT license. Hmm. Yes, you could run the, the web server yourself, npm install, what is it, probably a node project? Oh, they've got it runnable as a, as a Docker container. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's free, yeah, so you can try it out. I have to remember this one. I have to knock off a quick uh, diagram. Now, how much would you pay for your Photoshop when you got this right here? <laughs> now, how much? Yeah, Photoshop is dead, man. <laughs> is, so, is this so collaborative, week. though? That's the one thing. They've got the little... I didn't actually try this part out. They've got the little uh, share a live collaboration session that I haven't oh, yeah. actually tried out. It's like the two people icon next to the trash can. All right. Uh, here. I'm going to put the link that it just made for me in our... All right. Yeah, it works. So we're, we're all... Look at us being collaborative. Yeah. Wow. It, look at this circle right here. Nice. Oh, we can do layers too. It actually does arrows in the right way. Otherwise, other, unlike most tools. See what I'm doing here where you can just kind of rotate mm-hmm. it to any arbitrary length and rotation instead of having to, I don't know, do the standard thing of try to make it straight and then it always is at some crazy angle, tiny little angle for no reason at all. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're a freehand tool. Yeah, there's a little pencil icon. That's why I wrote the word woo in the corner. Nobody can see this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have it in the show notes or something. Oh, cause, cause or silly collaboration. The there, Where is pencil tool? Oh, there it there is. There it is, yeah. Okay. There is no bezel tool. That's the one thing it's missing. Yes. Bezier, you mean? Yeah. Bezier, yeah. That's bezel what I meant. No, Bezier. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. Ooh, getting the, the key line going out. The which? Isn't that the uh, the the key lines for the the actual keys for this very show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what option yeah, was that? Was that the, the cross hatching on the squares? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, didn't mean to do that. Uh... Cross hatching, you you uh, select that and fill. There you go. Oh yeah. Okay, I yeah. see it now. Yeah. Can you group things? That'd be nice. Uh, I want all these Illustrator tools that you don't have now. So I don't see your uh, your woo thing. Did you do it behind the menu, Jaime? Can you move the menu? Isn't it over here? Oh. You see my, my cursor kind of moving back and forth. Oh. Oh, you have to scroll up. Oh, and you scrolled off the screen. There's oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, but I everything is fitting on. on my monitor, so I didn't realize. You know what? Maybe maybe my monitor is like... No, I'd same thing. Woo was off the screen for me. Yeah, there's like a, dupl- a duplicate action, too. I can duplicate things easily. Just you know. Okay, I'm looking at my monitor. It looks like I'm running at 3840 by 2160. Oh, there's a... I brought up a... You can right-click on stuff. Can you? Yeah. Oh, so I can group selection. Uh-huh. Oh, look oh, at look that. that. Wow. Copy to clipboard as PNG. That's kind of nice. Oh, yeah. You can shift click as well. And there you go. We've, we've okay, made so it. Now, so now we have a logo. Look at that. Yeah, we've tried it collaboratively, so it works It works reasonably well. I mean, especially for a free tool, this is way better than I thought it was yeah. when I tried it alone. <laughs> now that we're all working remotely, this seems like the sort of thing you could fire up for a quick whiteboarding session. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. This is cool. Oh, we could do Pictionary on the week. Uh, we're doing a thing. Uh, cool idea. Neat. What will they think of next? At MTJC. Modern art. Uh, we should take a picture of this uh, for the archives. Twitter. I'm pointing posting to Twitter right now. Yeah. There you go. It's on Twitter. It's, did you get, now, did now you get the woo? No, I didn't get the woo. Yeah. I just took a nap in the middle. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess that's it for another week. So Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at dev with the hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. Mark R at smapsoft.com. And once again, my name is Tim Mitra. T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter is where you'll find me. Until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. 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 
This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. This is voiceover friend of the show, Mike Benogmans. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Can I disconnect the session? Turn this off? <laughs> yeah. Because okay. we'll lose it if I do, apparently. Well, oh, actually, I took a snapshot. Or took a snapshot. Yeah, what it says is stopping the session will disconnect you from the room, but you'll be able to continue working with the scene locally. Not that this won't affect other people, and they'll still be able to collaborate on their version. Oh, okay. oh I can say stop session too. Or I can put my name on it. So, yeah, that's interesting. So if we each stop the session, then we have three copies of the thing. That's a little bit weird. Oh, yeah? That's a little bit weird from an interact, inter, uh, interactive point of view. Well, there's also keyboard commands. Have you seen this in the corner, lower right-hand corner? The keyboard shortcuts, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I've never been big on those because I, I don't... Yeah. Well, okay, I guess they're... I see I some like that look kind of similar to normal ones. I tend not to learn keyboard commands unless I'm really dedicated to, to learning them, or they happen to be very similar mm-hmm. to existing ones. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, your monitor must be really big because for me, that doesn't fit on the whole screen. So you can sa- you can hit save to save the file too. I just saved it. Does that mean I can open it again? I wonder. Hmm. What will they think of... Oh, so there's a file folder. What does that do? Yeah, the file folder lets me reopen the images yeah but say so okay so say we oh, say we editable. say we all disconnect and each and so we each have our own version yeah and i keep editing some more yeah and i reconnect to you yeah then you probably see mine and yours is you probably have to save yours or something and then we've Maybe. then we've got a version mismatch so it's not really perfect about for the collaboration in terms of versioning i mean it's i mean it's great for just like a, a like a sketch tool to a whiteboarding sketch tool but it's probably not good for or oh, it doesn't have a Bezier type tool, Mark. Oh, it does? Where is that? Yeah, sort of. It's, it's not really like Bezier-like, but you see, I don't know if you can see what I'm drawing. Or I, I saw what you just... drew, but how do you get that? How do you do it? So what it was, was so it's the line tool. Instead of, instead of like the line tool, if you click and drag, you get a straight line like that, right? But if you click, if you click the line tool and then just tap. Yeah. Oh. And then as you, as you do the, the next line, you get sort of a. Yeah. Now it's shape, frozen right? again for me. Hmm. Oh, and then, and then the, the points are editable. Check it out. I can't see anything you're doing it's completely fr- oh there it is oh. now it's back okay well. see how i can i can maneuver maneuver the uh ooh, look there's a spotcast logo i mean <laughs> with oh, the no, busy no. acres <laughs> still frozen <laughs> yeah it's frozen for me now something's not right yeah it, it definitely doesn't see what seem happens like- for refresh Seems like you probably want 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 to use this for like oh this is like our team's documentation. Um, you probably are going to want to save the file in some way, shape, or form. 
and then come yeah. back to it if you really wanted to, or maybe just export to PNG and, and toss it into, you know, whatever it is you're using to document stuff. Like, hey, this is what we talked about, and then turn it into some for realsies documentation uh, yeah. after mm. you guys agree on, on what's going on. Yep. But it is cool. It is cool. I like it. It's a distraction for sure. All right. Close. close to path, though. That's a question. It's just like Postscript, my very first program I ever worked in. Oh, you can change the background color, too. Are we still collaborating? Oh, how weird. So I closed the window. Then I went yeah. back to the link that I shared. Yeah. And now there's almost nothing there. Really? Yeah. That's Okay. So it's not perfect. It's a little buggy here. We lost the woo? I lost the woo. I lost... Oh, wait a minute. Now it just came back. Huh. Okay. Because yeah, Tim started buggy. moving it around, and now it, Maybe. it caught yeah. up, and it was like, oh... <laughs> Let me catch you Maybe. up with the state, and it, it's this new state. Yep, yep. Is the background kind of blue now, pale blue? Now it's, uh, it keeps disappearing. Oh, scroll back to content. Background of, Loading of scenes. what? Okay, now what I've got about? it. Yeah, performance has gotten really slow. I wonder if that's just because there's a lot of stuff on the screen now. Mm-hmm. I can see your cursor moving around in real, kind of in real time, but mm-hmm. whenever I try to do anything, it's really slow now for me. Mm-hmm. And well, now it looks like okay. it froze again. Yeah. All right. Good for small diagrams. Doesn't really scale well. <laughs> Probably wouldn't want to have like a hundred people working on this at the same time for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna you gotta wait till you, got, you wait and see what I'm drawing for you guys. Or can you see? I, it, it's not gonna work. <laughs> I'm so connected. I never left your drawings. And, oh yeah. Okay. It, I see for it me, now. it I takes. For me, it takes like every every ten seconds or something. I get a little bit of an update. I keep making a mistake with this. Oh, there we go. This will be fascinating listening for people. <laughs> <laughs> if we made Tim, a video of it, maybe it would. Tim's, Tim's got editing <laughs> capabilities. Yeah. I think I know what it is yeah, that you're yeah, doing. Huh? I, I see your drawing. I see yeah. eyes and a nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's it. I keep I keep figuring out how to use a tool, even though I just started using it. Oh, come mm-hmm. on. I mean, it, it, every, every five, ten seconds, it updates a little bit. There's yeah. a little bit of a, is this like a Fred Flintstone hair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly what it guy? is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Fred Flintstone. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Oh, hang on. Have we reached the limit of, of what we can do? I think we might have hit some some maximum. Yeah, yeah. You're, it sounds Max. like you're at the point where I was a few minutes ago, where it just kind of no, nothing's starts, working. Yeah, it just it just bogs oh, down and I think stops I, working. I was clicking on the wrong tool. That's why it probably. Well, Tim, you should be an artist. I know, eh? You should, I should I, maybe you should study it in school or something. Yeah, you could draw the pirate yeah. and the turtle. <laughs> the what? You can draw the pirate and the turtle. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know one for sure is a pirate. Isn't the other one a turtle? It's a turtle, right? Have you seen that meme where where they they say uh, to draw an owl? <laughs> they say to draw two ovals. And then draw the rest of the hell. Well, now I'm getting fills. How about that? Fred's tie. There you go. That's my Fred Flintstone. Very nice. <laughs> All righty. All right. So what else is going on? I should save this. Let's save it for sister's posterity. Oh, Google Android 11 is now, first public later is now live for Pixel devices. You got their preview out, their beta. Yeah, right. How about that Apple right. stock, though, Tim? You still have Oh, your... yeah, what's it at? What's it at? 352? Wow. I should sell All-time the, high? The shares that, I should sell the shares that I bought when, when it was going down, or should I hang on to them? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I, I well, I've lost all ability to tell what's what the market's going to do because it's completely irrational. I would yeah almost certainly sell before WWDC if you were going to just because you know whatever has been planned out for it has already been taken into account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this isn't about WWDC. It's this is about this is about uh, the Fed pumping money into the economy and trying to you know, drive the stock market up. Uh, the question just is how long does that last? Um, I certainly certainly would not hold on to anything past. 
past the election, but you know, but it could go up for another six months before before the election. Not six months, but four months. Yeah. So Apple just oh, we didn't talk about this. That Apple is the first one and a half trillion dollar company in history. One and a half, really? Yep. Wow. Yep. Just today. So you, you have no, you, like I said, you have no idea if it's going to stay high. Apple. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Because it's not like I said, it's not about Apple. It's about the overall stock market. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, you know, the all the news is bad right now, but the stock market keeps going up. So what mm. the hell does that mean, right? That means it's I just... I don't know, people are investing in their futures or something, maybe? Well, that's crazy, though, because the stock market's not... I mean, it's a short-term future protection predictor, but not a long-term, really. I mean, uh, individual stocks, necessarily. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I fear that it's all going to collapse, but I've been fearing that for a while. <laughs> so what do I know? It's a weird time because yeah. we were definitely due for a recession. We've hit one because of this, you know, non-traditional sort of means uh, reason. And yet there isn't really anything sort of fundamentally wrong with the economy at the moment. It's just, you know, if, if you could wave the magic wand and say, ha ha, no more COVID, and everything could immediately open back up. Everything could immediately get back to the way things were. So it's a little bit different than the other recessions we've had where it's like, uh, you know, actually there aren't jobs. Uh, actually, there are are issues with other bits here it's it was already gonna end up in recession but it seems like it, it may have plunged us through it quicker rather than having it linger for a few years now granted a lot of that's dependent on 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 getting a vaccine soon yeah but interest rates are still pretty much zero right. so the first sign of anything going wrong the way that you simulate an economy is you lower interest rates well you can't lower interest rates anymore because they're pretty much zero and so mm-hmm. we're kind of like where japan was in the 90s you know they had a decade of no growth at all because they, you know, they dug themselves a hole. Um, and right now, you know, everything is, everything's, our economy is pretty much completely based on consumer spending. Um, but this is why things started collapsing is because, you know, when people were out of work, all of a sudden the consumer spending stops, right? People aren't going out to restaurants. They're not, they're not uh, paying for services and suddenly things start, the numbers start looking really bad. Uh, so, the, so the government bailed out all these companies, but how did they do that? They introduced a lot of new debt to, to to pay off companies to keep them from to keep their stock from going down. So so the stock market is and you know look I'm a, I'm a stock market investor. I should in, in once on one hand I'm happy about it. But on the other hand, I feel that we're just we're just making this the ice that we're on just thinner and thinner and thinner yeah, and thinner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah could be. Because yeah, yeah. And you know part of the thing though is that well you know nobody's selling stocks because where do you put your money? Because you can't put your money in bonds right now because interest rates are zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but what happens though, when, when, if companies start having worse valuations, which is already, you know, things are already started to happen. People have been having earnings announcements where the numbers have not been good, uh, but yet stock market hasn't punished them because, well, it's the virus's fault, which is kind of true, you know, but, but is it completely true? It's hard to say, right? You know, if, if the, if usually when numbers go down, the stock, the stock goes down, right? Cause the company, the company isn't doing so well and there are layoffs and things like that. Mm. There have been a lot of layoffs. You know, even tech companies have been laying off. You don't hear about it much, but they have been. Right, right. So I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I worry when people say that, yeah, the economy is doing great, you know, because it's not clear that the economy is doing great. The stock market is doing great, but it's not clear that the, that the economy is doing great. Because, you know, I mean, as of a couple of weeks ago, there were 40 million people out of work in the U.S. That's a lot of people. Now, a lot of those were working in restaurants and they'll hopefully go back to work. But, but if people don't really want to go out to restaurants much, then sure, maybe 5 million 
you know, those people will go back to work, working in restaurants, but it won't be full staff. And, and, you know, I kind of worry that people aren't, people are getting sort of overly enthusiastic that everything's opening up again, but is it really opening up in, in the way that we need to get the economy really back on track? I don't know. More doom and gloom for me. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Puppies, flowers, <laughs> unicorns. <laughs> right, right. All misery. No, right. Yeah. Doom and gloom. Yeah. I don't know how I, I ended up on a thread with all comic book drawings. Are you still on that app? No, no, no. Oh, oh that page? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I still have it open. Yeah, I still have it open. Did you just close the window? What did you do? I just closed the window. Leave page. Like I said, oh, I'm in a thread. That's why yeah, that makes sense. I fell into a Twitter hole. Happens to the best of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tammy died of dysentery, apparently. Tammy? She played some. She's playing some game, I guess. Oh, is it, it like an online version of the Oregon Trail or something? Uh, maybe I don't know. It's just it's, it looks like Oregon Oregon Trail for sure. What is it? A screenshot? Yeah. Yeah, I ordered but, a uh, just off of eBay. I ordered a back issue of of acoustic guitar magazine from a few years back, and, oh, yeah. and it turns out it came from someone in Canada. And, oh. it, and it took them it took like a month to get here. Yeah. Whereas really? yeah yeah whereas I ordered another one from someone in the U.S. and on the East Coast, it took three days to get here. Oh, like it was like a previously enjoyed copy. Yeah, it was a used copy. These are these are like vintage copies. I'm trying to complete my collection. I've been oh, a, really? yeah I've been a subscriber since 1991. Wow, and I have I've, some of them in my in my collection somewhere look acoustic guitar magazine i think so yeah oh if you have there's that's, i'm missing that's the one that has tabs and stuff in it right yeah i'm missing exactly one issue now okay uh if you happen to have march april 1991 with michael hedges on the cover i'll, okay, I'll buy that nice. off yeah yeah i don't think i do because i wouldn't have bought that i don't recognize that name but i'll, I'll... michael hedges yeah acoustic I'm guitarist okay. <laughs> no no i'm, I'm just sorry hang head feel sh- hang I'm, head feel shame eh, I mean? <laughs> I, i'm just surprised because it, it's he's a guy who i thought would have been kind of up your alley Edges, H-E-D-G-E-S. Yeah, he's a little more new agey than folk, I guess. Yeah, and what's his, um, what's the, the March? March, April, it was a bi-monthly, so it's March slash April 1991. Because you know there's a couple of um, magazine stores downtown that have vintage stuff, too. Hmm. I can go have a look. Or I can set Carol. Carol also goes to, she goes to the Valley Village. Valley, I don't know if you guys have Valley Village in the States, but Mm-mm. it's kind of like Salvation mm-hmm. Army, but for profit. We, we have them in our region. Yeah, so Carol goes there all the time. No. Like, she bought a pair of Doc Martens for five bucks once, you know? Huh. Well, mm-hmm. I would say don't make a special trip, but if she happens to be there, sure, why not? Yeah, I'll, I'll just, yeah she, she pokes through. Some, well, mind you, she hasn't been going to there lately, right? Obviously, because of the whole dystopia thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Acoustic guitar. Yeah, I think I I, I, I do look at that magazine every now and then. I don't, I don't know if it's printed or made in, it's not necessarily made in Canada. It might be American, right? It is American, yeah. It's actually... Probably um, Nast, maybe? No, it's a string letter press. They're, oh, okay. they're kind of a small... Um, outfit up just north of san francisco yeah i don't know to, to look at the let me look and see if we can find a cover because it does the name sounds familiar right that's why mm-hmm. i have to hide by android studio where's the safari browser thingy man i got all these tabs open that i want to go back to sometime acoustic guitar magazine acoustic guitar magazine yeah yeah i'm pretty sure yeah it's, i'm pretty sure i've seen it on on the racks it's been around forever i mean like like i said i've been subscribing since 1991 or 1990 or whenever it was so yeah yeah this yeah. is what I'm, I'm thinking of yeah, yeah. I, I'm just I was thinking about the way the word acoustic guitar sits there, right? So. Yep, yep. And one of my projects while I was home on the for the pandemic was sort of organizing all these you know stuff that I have in boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. one of them was all my back issues of this magazine. And I realized that I was right. only missing missing a few of the wow. of the very early before I subscribed very early issues. So yeah. I started doing just you know kind of just for fun, just going on eBay and Amazon and trying to track 
them all down and I've managed to find all of them except this one issue. Yeah. Oh, cool. If anyone's listening and anyone happens <laughs> to have that issue, yeah. I'll trade you a t-shirt for it. <laughs> I've always, I've always been, uh, but is it going to be a vintage t-shirt or? Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll work something out. <laughs> yeah. There's actually, there's actually a, a Instagram, um, account here in Toronto called vintage t-shirts and they have like, you know, old rock show t-shirts. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about getting my, uh, all my rack, my, uh, I have like, I have so many t-shirts that are all, some of them are off shoved off in boxes. Yeah. So I've been meaning to go and take photos of them. I got a whole bunch of like, you know, tech, tech t-shirts and then I got a whole whack of, you know, strange musician stuff. Right. So yeah, I still have a whole bunch of concert t-shirts from the, the eighties, literally the 1980s shows. I went wow, to those would be worth something. Yeah, uh, Maybe. Cause they're all, I mean, they're, they're now, what year is it? People you know, don't care. They're 40 years old. They're pretty, in pretty crappy condition. Most of them, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, but people, people like the retro vintage stuff. I guess. Time is generation. That is. Yeah, right? I guess that's they true. Want, they want to relive our youth, right? That's true. <laughs> So I printed the fabric for the masks. Carol's Carol's busy working on uh, masks for weddings, but uh, there's certain like she used to be able to get fabric from uh, a company called Lizanne's, and they've gone out of business. Mm. And they used to bring in all like the Marvel and all the sort of you know copyrighted stuff. They used to bring it in to Canada, but they're not doing it anymore. Mm. And they won't; those companies won't ship to Canada, right? Because we're mm. a foreign country or something. Yeah. They don't realize we're the 52nd state, right? 50, oh, after Puerto Rico, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Lower than Puerto Rico. Well, look, like some of these Puerto lakes, Rico is, is, is at least you know part of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Classic rock guy. So when are we going to put out the MTJC chess set? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not enough characters. We don't have enough. Yeah, we don't. We don't have enough. Uh, we can. We can barely put together a baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> a basketball team. Never mind a baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many players do you need? It's for a starting five. five, and then you you want oh, like five. at least a couple of, of people coming off the bench. Of bench players. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the same. Same with hockey. You have uh, you have uh, yeah five and a goalie, so six. Six. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know who the goalie would be, right? <sighs> Last time he wants to get a big walrus or something. <laughs> that should be one of the chess sets. It should be like a rook or something. Something yeah. beefy. And Buckethead. What would he be? He'd be a uh, he'd be a bishop. Yeah, I could see that as a bishop. It makes sense. Tall, yeah. pointy, yeah, generally exactly. vertical. Yep, 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 yep. Buckethead. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we maybe we could make a, a chess set out of the, the major players plus you know topics and memes uh, that come out of our show. Hmm. Yeah. Easy. All right. Well, I guess we can call it and I can go do some relaxing. Or it was pain. It was pouring like crazy earlier Hot I thought carol was like running the bathtub and it was like leaking you had to take the headphones off to hear what where the water was coming mm. from mm. like visions of the backyard flooding right all righty all right until, until next time, time. Later. Okay. Later. Okay. Bye. bye bye